This idea that we can make them happier by reducing the external trauma just isn't true, doctor. It's just not true. Well, as we continue to advance into the 21st century, the idea of civic discourse, of course, continues to evolve to new levels. Now it consists of somebody tweeted something I don't like, and so therefore I'm going to spend the next two and a half hours trying to destroy them. And uh, I want to make it crystal clear before we start that that's not my intention at all. There is a tweet that got my attention. And uh, well, number one, I certainly think the person is entitled to their opinion. I think it does, in fact, express a fundamental difference between the way the two halves of the country seem to think about things. So let's take a look at that. Hi, everybody. I'm Bill Whittle here with Steve Green and Scott Ott. Uh, gentlemen, the tweet in question came from somebody who doesn't strike me as a particularly rabid person who's on and on and on and on. But it but it was enlightening to me anyway. Uh, the tweet was from uh, a pediatrician named uh, Christy uh, Mora, MD. And she tweeted a photograph, which appears to be of a uh, kind of like a PowerPoint slide. And, and here's the picture and here's what it says. What if instead of relying on children to be more resilient, we create a world that is less traumatic? And she tweeted, y'all, this is it. Well, y'all, I, I don't think uh, it is it. Uh, and that's the issue I would like to get at uh, on this episode. Uh, Steve, let's just take it at face value. What's wrong with the idea of not making more resilient kids? Why don't we just make a world that's less traumatic? Uh, life is hard. It's harder if you aren't resilient, if you'll allow me to paraphrase John Wayne. Um, there's no making the world safe for everybody. I, we're not, I'm not, I'm not even going to try and argue the point, uh, debate the point. It is inarguable. It is a truth we hold to be self-evident. Unfortunately, that's just the way the world is. Parts of it are nicer than others. We happen to be very lucky. We live in the United States of America. And if, as long as you aren't on social media, it's a very nice place overall. I'm glad to be here, uh, now. Thank you very much, uh, random chance for that blessing. Um, what's amazing here is this this idea of uh, of holding up the boy in the bubble as some sort of ideal that we're supposed to strive for. Um, for those who don't know, the, the this is a true thing. Uh, a kid who was born basically without a functioning immune system and had to live his life in an inflatable bubble couldn't leave his house, couldn't really do much of anything, couldn't have any human contact. Uh, his foods all had to be specially prepared and, you know, shoved at him through a slot, a little airlock thing. Um, and that's the future the woke left sees for us is are these completely encapsulated, safe, bubble-like, fragile creatures. Screw that. I want to get out there in the world. I want to live. In fact, that's what I've been doing for the last 53 years, um, or at least the the, the good ones. Um and, you know, Bill, you talk about immune system. One of the immune systems that you've talked about many times over the uh, over the years that we've worked together is that the press is supposed to be the country's political immune system. It uh, it, it it attacks uh, it, it attacks Pathogens. liars. It, it, yes, it, yep. it, 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 it attacks the corrupt. It serves to protect us, to weed those out of the system. And it occurs to me that our press not only is failing in that, uh, which it has been for many years now, but 
it too wants to protect us, to encapsulate us by, by preventing those bad ideas from seeping into our skulls. Um, and it goes back to that old expression that uh, uh, leftists want to shut us conservatives up and us conservatives want the lefties to keep on talking. Well, now we have to get past that press that's trying to protect everybody from, well, facts and reasons. Little facts and reason like the fact that you can't make a perfect world and you can't raise snowflakes to live in it. Uh Scott, I mean, the, the reason that people reacted to this, I think, was um, I don't consider a, a resilient child to be a bad thing. Here's what it says. What if instead of relying on children to be resilient, what's wrong with them being resilient? You know, I mean, I, I, you would think that being resilient would be the kind of quality that you would want in a child. Yeah, and, and she does it in a passive voice, too. She's basically saying, with the active voice, we will make the world less traumatic. Uh, in the passive voice, we're relying on children to be resilient, as if we had nothing to do with the latter, but we have a great deal to do with the former. There's mm -hmm. one thing we can do, and that's make the world less traumatic, but we cannot hope to make children more resilient. That's We have no agency in that. We're just hoping that they Impossible. survive. Impossible, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and the irony of all of this is uh, perhaps she just woke up in a brand new world on a brand new planet this morning because if she had talked to her elders, her grandparents, her great-grandparents, uh, they might be able to inform her that, in fact, the world is a heck of a lot less traumatic than it was 50, 80, 100 years ago. I mean, I think of just, I was raised by my own grandparents and the life that they led, one born in 1915, one born in 1921, you know, I didn't have to get up at 4.30 this morning to milk the cows. Um, I could roll out of bed anytime I wanted. As it turns out, I'm used to getting up at 4.30 in the morning, but I'm, I don't have to go outside and shovel and clean up animal manure. I don't have to go to the bathroom in an outhouse. The lights in my house aren't gas jets sticking out of the wall and candles and little kerosene lamps. I don't have to get to work on a horse or in a buggy drawn by a horse. I don't have to worry about getting whooping cough or polio and a lot of other kinds of diseases that were a regular part of people's lives back then. I'm unlikely to live through anything similar to the Great Depression and uh, certainly won't be living through two world wars in 20, 30 years. So I would suggest, Dr., that the world is a lot less traumatic. On the other hand, I also think that my grandparents did a wonderful job building resilience into their children by inculcating values like hard work and the ability to continue to muscle through something that you found to be unpleasant or scary or something that hurt. I mean, it's funny, we, we laugh about how, uh, you know, the remedy for everything. I mean, today, everything that happens to a kid is an, it results in an ER visit. Back when I was a kid, it seemed like at least 50% of the bad things that happened to you could be cured by walking it off. And so yeah. you would be, we would be playing football and all of a sudden you'd, you'd fall down on the ground and be holding your knee. And then one of the coaches would come over and go, okay, walk it off. And, 
and you'd get up and you'd walk it off and then you'd be okay. Um, so I, I didn't live in some sort of, you know, uh, rough and tumble, rugged individualist uh, childhood. I mean, I had a, a breeze of a childhood compared to people in previous generations. So I'm not trying to position myself as somebody, you know, who grew up in some, some horror movie, uh, how, how difficult it was. But I did learn from my grandparents that bad things are going to happen, that there are bad people out there who will do bad things, and that you will have to muscle through that. You will have to keep the presence of mind to be able to endure that. So, doctor, we do both. We make the world less traumatic, and we can build more resilient children because we'll never make it free of trauma, and we don't want the first trauma that comes along to devastate those that we love. First of all, I'd like to offer a quick apology to, to Dr. Nwora. It's actually Crystal Nwora from a distance with my failing eyesight. I thought it was Christy, but it's actually Crystal with an L, C-H-R-I-S-T-L-E. Uh, I mentioned her first test, a uh, tweet didn't anger me. I thought it was an interesting reflection on the two different philosophies that seem to be dividing America. But her second tweet kind of did uh, actually anger me a little bit because when people started pushing back a bit about this, she followed up with, a, why are some of y'all fighting so hard for kids to be traumatized? Chill, y'all. We can work towards a better world. The mm. post is muted. Well, uh, first of all, uh, I find the whole y'all thing to be a little bit of an affectation, but let's just put that aside. No one is saying that we want children to be traumatized. What we're saying is, is that by administering small doses of stress over the course of childhood, they become much more resistant to trauma. We're not talking about wanting to traumatize kids. We want to protect them from being traumatized by having an emotional immune system that protects them in the same way that their physical immune system does against germs, which was the first thought I had when I saw this. What if instead of relying on children to be resilient, we create a world that is less traumatic? There's a very interesting and direct correlation with this, with, with the entire idea of the immune system. When you look at cities and you find these people who are living in these skyscrapers, these limousine liberals, you find that they have one or two kids. They never go outside. Their hands are sanitized. They have to wash their hands five times a day, constantly sanitized. The, every single surface is wiped down with, with, with uh, disinfectant and so on to keep the germs away. And what we find is, the actual data shows, is that these kids have a tremendous rate of allergies because the allergy, an allergic reaction, is when your body's immune system mistakes your own tissues for foreign invaders and attacks itself, right? So what we find is, is that the kids who are protected from germs as much as possible are the ones who get the sickest the most. And the ones like farm kids who are the ones who are most exposed to germs are the ones who are by by a large margin, far healthier. You don't find allergies in farm kids because they get dirty because their immune systems understand what a pathogen is versus what tissue is. This is the exact same argument. And, and here's the tragedy of it uh, and why it's so difficult to, to, to argue with the left because, because it is all basically wish fulfillment. But just for the sake of the argument, doctor, let's say we could reduce the amount of trauma in the world by half utterly impossible. There are things that happen beyond our, virtually everything is beyond our control. Vladimir Putin's not going to play along with this particular um, 
PowerPoint site. But for the sake of the argument, let's say we could. Let's say we could reduce trauma in the world by half. Would that make children more comfortable? No, it would not. And here's why. Our brains are wired in such a way so that we are learning in our childhood how to calibrate threat. That's what the amygdala does. It responds to threats. The more you protect a child from threat, the more threatened that child is going to be by ever less dangerous things. We saw a couple of years ago where a number of teachers, who I'm sure were very much like this particular doctor, had an absolute meltdown when some boy chewed a Pop-Tart into the general shape of a pistol. They called in SWAT teams. They locked the school down. The teachers were hyperventilating because a kid had chewed a, a Pop-Tart into the general shape of a, of a pistol. You know who doesn't get hysterical about, about Pop-Tart shaped pistols or pistol shaped Pop-Tarts rather? SEAL members, for example, members of SEAL Team 6 don't hyperventilate when they see a Pop-Tart in the shape of a pistol. And the reason that they don't do that is because they have actual people with real pistols shooting at them. And so their ability to gauge what is dangerous is pretty highly tuned. Now, I'm not saying we should be shooting at our young kids, but I am saying that we should definitely be allowing them to get a little bit frightened and a little bit scared because every time you do, your amygdala learns what's a real threat and what's not. And this idea that we can make them happier by reducing the external trauma just isn't true, doctor. It's just not true. If we could do that, they would still be hysterical. They'd just be hysterical about less dangerous things. One of the very first thoughts I had when I entered this business was a very simple one, and it's simply this, folks. Let's say that you are determined to make sure that your child doesn't drown. You can go about this in two ways. You can push for legislation to make sure that there are border fences around every large body of water, that every river has lifeguard stations every, oh, I don't know, 100 feet or so. You can do everything in your power to make sure that your child never gets close enough to a large enough body of water for them to drown in, or, or, you could teach the kid how to swim. Those are your choices. And to take the first one is just plain nuts, y'all. For Steve Green and Scott Ott, I'm Bill Whittle. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time here on Writing. 